in Miami, well, yeah, north of Miami, and that starts on Thursday. Wednesday. Thursday. Starts soon. Okay. <laughs> I think we <laughs> don't know. Welcome to Miami. Hey. <laughs> see you at the lab. Yes, we're going to see Nayade and, and Shannon very soon. Well, I think this is probably the Vera and Devon show tonight. Me? What? No. You guys are taking over the space and, and opening the sideways doors into new territory. Is that what you're saying? We opened up the space to... to yeah, to invite everyone into the yes with us in this journey that we're all going to a lab with Sophia Magdalena and Nayade and Shannon. Wow, you guys are lucky. I, I heard you were eating donuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's another person's department. The one who's laughing, you mean? Sophia Magdalena, can you explain <laughs> this? The laughing or donuts? No one can explain donuts. No <laughs> one. This is a phenomenon beyond explanation, but the laughing would be good. I feel a lot of joy being my very second day in the U.S. ever in my life. And started with this amount of six donuts. I just tried everything I could. And here I am and I'm looking forward to the lab. And it's fun, it's been fun. Let's make this clear. You ate all six donuts? Yes. You get- All at once. You get a smiley face. <laughs> I, I not, <laughs> Thank you. I will not brag about how many donuts I have eaten because it has been so long since I got to eat a pile of donuts. It has left my system. So I think you are the winner right now. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> ah, while well, we're talking about world records then, does anybody else have something they'd like to share? I want to share. I want to share that Kay just let me know. She just wrote an article called "Hey Billionaires, Do You Want to Build Us a Village?" <laughs> it wasn't "Do You Want to?" It's "Hey Billionaires, Build Us a Village." Oh, <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> wow. so we'll let you know when it goes out, and you can all like help send it out. Billionaire word. You, Kay, you will let us know. Yes. I have a few websites where that would make an interesting contribution. Okay. Cool, thank you. Nice. Wow. <laughs> Somebody else. Yes, I want to share that I'm looking for possibilities to go to Costa Rica from Portugal and to start there a nomadic community 
based on possibility management. And if there are few adventurers, people here who want to join this quest, and maybe some, some people have possibilities around where to start in, in uh, Costa Rica and where to start this journey to start this community. I'll be happy to hear from you. Dor, I have um, contacts to a Kundalini yoga group there. I'm doing Kundalini with a group of people in Costa Rica. They are living in an eco village there and I could easily connect you with them. Sounds very, very interesting. Let me, let me know. Yeah, get in touch. Thank you, Joseph. You. Sure. Thank you. Well, I have something to report. I've been talking in a couple of groups about this. I, this past week, I got called a fucking bitch by a man. And Yay. so. <laughs> <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say man, you have to say male, male person. By a male person. <laughs> and, um, and I didn't, I didn't let it in. I had my bubble out because I knew where that it wasn't coming from me. And, and then I took it and created a new definition of fucking bitch because what great words <laughs> to, to expound upon. Um, and so one, I, I wrote a couple of sentences, but my, one of the sentences I wrote is, an awe-inspiring woman who is, who is centered in her power and knows how to birth new worlds. <laughs> Hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's it from here. So I'm, so I'm ready to go into that uh, anger. And Chloe, I'm ready, and Vera. Yeah, the next <laughs> space holder, anger. Course. Alice, could you write that on the chat, please, what you wrote? Thank you. Yes. Wow, thank you. Some other some other newses. Yeah. I would like to uh, go on to this vibe and share that uh, I will do a work talk on Thursday, the 28th, about how to fly. And uh, if you want to join me, I would be very happy. It's, uh, it's on Facebook. I put it in the possibility management group. You send me an email and I send you the Zoom link. And uh, it was very funny because as soon as I put the energy out, Facebook just didn't want to let me share it. And so we will see about that. <laughs> and yeah, oh, cool. I hope I see you. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, great. I'd like to share that um, I'm closing a, a door right now of a big part of my life. And yesterday came out such a pain of 
of that longing for my, yeah, how to say my, my destiny or my calling. And it was such a big pain. It was such a sorrow came out and, and I saw how it was stuck and in, in, and what I all did and in what I was involved. And it was like closing that door was so, I was in a process. I was, I was, I was closing a group and, but in that process came out that I'm so much longing for to give my, my energy and my power to that, what I have experienced. I still have no idea how and how that will go. But I've got a lot of clarity about, about, um, yeah, that I want to, I want to involve in that. And thank you for being there yesterday, Clinton, that was touching me. Thank you. Great work. Yeah. I want to share that I'm caring for myself right now by taking care of being in a community and being surrounded people. And with that, showing me vulnerable and asking, asking for help and for possibilities to be around people. And that is expanding my box quite far and it feels, I feel joy about it. Thank you. Great. I just would like to say hello. I'm new in the group. I presented myself already in the in the Telegram group. And I've been in contact with Ankloe today. So that's me. <laughs> and greetings from Gran Canaria. Carola, Gran Canaria. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you. Greetings <laughs> from La Gomera. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <clears throat> I also want to say a short hello to all the group. I'm also new and new to this group. And uh, yeah, would like to say thank you very much for the great video uh, from Ilan that opened my eyes for the uh, current situation I'm in. And it helped me very much. Thank you. Welcome, Hannes. Thanks for saying hi. Thanks hi. for jumping in. Thank you, Carola and Hannes, for saying hello. I'm, I'm saying welcome back or somehow. I got the invitation to rejoin and I have no idea what's happened in the last, I don't know how many months and I'm eager to share, to, to listen to the recordings and I'm going through them at the moment. And yeah, I don't know if I can, if I can keep up today, but I will, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Welcome back, Gabriel. Thank you. Welcome back, Gabriel. <laughs> well, I want to share something, Clinton. Go, Shannon. My access 
to the space of nothingness has increased exponentially. Can you say more about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, the space is much vaster and just like there holding me in a way that I didn't, I wasn't aware of before. And I want to acknowledge you and Aunt Chloe and Naomi and Leslie and every single other person in this that has a square here. because I, I feel very held and supported. And I wanna express my thanks. We're gonna express our thanks back. <laughs> I also want to express to Hannes that his English is wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Great. I, I'd like to add something because I'm I feel that your experience, Shannon, a lot of sadness. And I had also this sadness so deep yesterday and it brought me into that space so in that space of now and of being and of just just being there present it was incredible to describe and it felt powerful very powerful yeah, and, and it's and it's in the letting go. It's like, oh, I don't need to cling on to yeah. this more. And look, look what's here when I let go. Thank you. I think that would be a doorway for us to head off into the ch chapter about extraordinary human love. We're on page 119, section 6C. I am hearing a squeaking sound and I'm hoping it's not my hard drive or something. Yeah, okay, thanks. Whatever that was, it just stopped. Thank you. Thank you. So we're at this, this map of three kinds of love and we looked at it once before when we, <clears throat> we entered the ordinary human love section. And so this is of course the, first domain of love is this self-referenced and neurotic and I need you kind of love. And it's trying to, a lot of it comes from childish childhood stuff, or even could come from parent uh, positions like this. You should do this. You should not do that. Voices in your head, fears in your head, like all these, uh, all these diverse forces of the ordinary, the status quo, everything that keeps us in the status quo. Most of the love songs on the radio come from the ordinary human love domain. And they, they keep us dependent on certain expectations uh, about circumstances and experiences. For example, we look for the evidence of love. So we're, we're always, it's always a conditional kind of thing. So love is happening if he washes the dishes or holds my chair before I sit down or love is not happening if he, 
if if she doesn't make my favorite kind of fried potatoes, or if she um, like doesn't compliment me and really be happy when I come home from work, then love is not happening. So these are circumstantial uh, conditions that we look for for love. And so it's kind of like this roller coaster ride of the ordinary love experience. And it's a domain. If you can imagine a map with these domains on, it's huge. You, you could spend your whole life in the ordinary domain of love and never leave home. You could stay there and never discover that there are other domains. That was one of the main reasons to write this book was to frame up what ordinary, the domain of ordinary love is like in our ordinary experience and then paint doorways and build bridges to two additional domains of love, the extraordinary and the archetypal. And so it took us quite a while to journey around through the ordinary domains in the book and we're in the extraordinary domain. And so, but what is the difference? Uh, the difference is extraordinary human love has, is there because you are. It's, it's a kind of, it's there because you're sourcing love, respectfully, playfully, adult, responsible, alive in the present, independent of circumstances, because you create new love happening in each moment. Okay, so this, this is a set of skills. This is about a, a set of um, uh, parameters. It's like, it's almost like, you know, if you're gonna walk down the street, there you have to watch out for cars and watch out for dogs that are gonna bite you or pee on you. And you have to watch out for policemen so that you're crossing the sidewalk in the right place or et cetera, et cetera. If you're walking, it's just, you have to watch out for bicyclists, for example. But if you shift to the bicycle domain, well, this is a different domain, there's different rules. You have to keep your balance in a different way. You have to obey different traffic laws. You have to, again, still watch out for cars, but you also have to watch out for pedestrians, et cetera, et cetera. So each domain has its own characteristic set of skills and attentions that you have to pay along the way. So we're, this, we're, we're diving into this extraordinary human love domain. So I will be reading. Our body, mind, heart, and soul are designed to live in and be fed by extraordinary human love. But how do we get there from our familiar rounds, meaning going around in the ordinary domain of ordinary human love? How do we get there? Ordinary human love originates in the irresponsible irresponsible perspective of wanting to be loved. So this is the ordinary human domain again, human love. We focus on consuming love. We go around in love scarcity, looking for someone to love us. We live in the childhood longing to have our unmet childhood needs finally fulfilled. When someone appears to be fulfilling our needs and we say to them, I love you, what we actually mean is, I need you to keep fulfilling my needs. I want to own you. 
I have to have you. I want to possess you and control you so that you keep taking care of me. So this would be the ordinary domain of love. And so we conclude that if someone is fulfilling our needs, then they apparently love us and we apparently love them. And speaking of parents, this is really the way my parents were with each other. And so there would be these breakdown spaces where my mother was not doing this or that, or my father was not doing this or that, and then the space would, would shake. And there, so I'm sure you could all tell stories about what it's like to be around parents, for example, or other people in your world who lived in ordinary human love. And then you have your own experiences of relating to people in that domain. I keep reading, the ordinary definition of love, meaning an exchange of need fulfillment, it gets shaky when we start asking what is meant by the term need, specifically, which aspect of our psychology, emotionality, personality, or habitual thinking patterns is speaking for us in the moment that we claim to have a need. So, I'm, this is an experiment to do. So when, when you start feeling some kind of neediness, first question is, who's needing this? Which part of me is, is feeling needy? The first question. So I keep reading here. What is really a need? Is it something that feels normal to us? Like, I need you to put salt in the potatoes. Is it something to make us comfortable? Like, I need you to drive faster. Is it a physical need? Like, I need to pee. Or is it more of a preference? Like, I need a hug. Is it fulfilling an expectation? Agreeing with an opinion? You want somebody to agree with your opinion. You need, some, you need somebody to react from, if you're reacting from old fears, are you reacting from old fears? I need something. Love entangled with needs gets very messy. So this is the ordinary domains of love. It's entangled with needs, usually unconsciously spoken from various parts of ourselves, from these different parts of the zoo. There's a, I've mentioned it before, but there's really a, a, a powerful website up that we have, which is just called Parts parts.mystrikingly.com. <clears throat> I encourage you, I encourage you to really go into the, that website and do those experiments to discover these parts that you have inside, because it will make so much sense as we go further and further into the extraordinary human love domains, how to, how to relate to the various parts. You know, if you're in a zoo and the, the lions are hungry, you're going to feed them something very different from if the, the seals are hungry, or if the penguins are hungry, or, you know, if the snakes are hungry, you have to feed them each different kinds of food. So we are this walking zoo, we're walking this, we have this community inside of us of all these parts. So the more that you can name them, identify them, include them, you know, take, take ownership of them, the less wildly they show up in your world demanding their needs. You know, I need this. 
because so you haven't paid attention to them before. But you don't have to be in the victim position with all these parts. That's what this is about. It's about taking ownership of the parts. I keep reading. Extraordinary human love is a different agreement with life. So the, the sentence could end there. It doesn't, but it could end there. It's like, okay, how do you make a different agreement with life? It's, it's almost like, like I said, it's a, probably a bad metaphor, but anyway, if you're a walking pedestrian, you don't need particularly a license to drive a bicycle around, but you do need a license to drive around a car or a truck or a tractor or an airplane, those kind of things. So once you change your agreement, your contract, once you get a license to function in another domain, your whole life changes. So you're changing your agreement with life by entering, learning how to enter the extraordinary love domains. So I'll read it again. Extraordinary human love is a different agreement with life than maneuvering to have other people take care of you and fulfill your needs. In extraordinary human relationship, you are responsible. Adults who take care of adults who take care of getting our own needs met. That's what it means to be in we are adults taking care of getting our own needs met. So rather than probably you've had that experience, you have some kind of need, there's a person next to you, you look at them and go, expect them to fulfill your need. You want something from them. And this is starting at a whole new foundation point. I have a need, I get my own needs met. It's, and then there's a, there's a, you know, a theoretical downside to that, which is, oh, it's really nice when somebody else meets my needs. You know, it's really nice when I'm taken care of in certain ways or people only listen to me or only tell me what I want to hear. There's kind of this kind of fake niceness to that. But it's, the, it's more of a childish ni niceness or a neurotic niceness. Whereas if you take care of your own needs, knowing that they are needs from sort of crippled or handicapped or incomplete or childish parts of yourself, and you handle that, there's this whole other field that opens up that doesn't have to play that game with you. It's a different game that gets to be played that doesn't depend on your needs or somebody else's needs. It's a different create creation space. Ordinary human love is like a paint by the numbers kit. You know, those paintings that have the little sections all filled out in different numbers and you just put the numbers in. That's the ordinary human love that you got from your parents for a birthday present. So you're basically copy pasting your parents' relationship into your life. That's ordinary human love. That also works with religion. I mean, if people have a religion and you ask them why, the most, most common reason why somebody chooses a particular religion is because their parents had the same religion. So copy paste religion, copy paste relationship. I don't know what else you're copy pasting from your parents, but you might wanna reconsider that. So extraordinary human love is a blank canvas. A blank canvas. And 
for, for us who have had our creativity just smashed out of us from being in school, you know, sit in rows, take notes, and always remember what grade you're going to get. You know, this is school. So having creation smashed out of us, never standing in the void. It's like Shannon was talking about this amazing power of standing in the void. Extraordinary human love is a blank canvas. There is an easel holding up the canvas, you know, wooden stand. There's professional quality brushes and a full set of colors that you have bought for yourself. Didn't come from somebody else, you bought it for yourself. And this empty canvas is a true laboratory for experimenting with extraordinary human love. And a lot of us, we have this terror that comes up, a blank sheet of paper, a day with no plans, you know, this blank canvas, like, okay, I'm gonna, I've got my brush, I have some paint on it, where should I put it? Uh, what if that's wrong? What if I put something on that's wrong? These mistakes, this fear of mistakes. What if somebody's watching? Who's gonna judge me? What, what, what if I can't complete it? What if there's all these doubts we have, this huge, this, con this construct of fear and failure and all of this uh, is, is part of our uh, inheritance that we got from our schooling and, and our upbringing. Okay, it's like, okay, and? So ordinary human love depends on the evidence of love. Like I said before, he says, I love you to me every night before he goes to sleep. So if he does that, then he loves me. Or ordinary human love could depend on the experience of love. Like I feel overwhelming joy every time I see her. So this, this experience. What that means is, and the evidence, then the mind goes, ka-chunk. Love is not happening. There's a lack of love, a scarcity of love. And so we go around looking for evidence and looking for those experiences, trying to confirm that love is happening and essentially sourced from the outside of us, coming from outside. Ordinary love is conditional. In comparison, extraordinary human love has no conditions. Instead, extraordinary human love is the condition. Like once you step in the domain, it is the condition. It's in extraordinary human love, a person may have neither the evidence for love nor the experience of being loved and yet still be in love. Try to get that. There's no experience, there's no evidence, and still love is happening. How does that take place? Because if you're, if you're not depending, if you're no longer dependent on the, on the, on the externals, you know, on the evidence or this internal lovey-dovey, smoogey-woogey, you know, smoking lights and stars, you know, all those GIF, the GIF files, you know, they go, ha, 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 ha. They don't stop. You know, love, love is supposed to be like that. You know, ha, ha, ha. You can sit there and watch them for hours. I don't know if you do that. Sometimes I was looking at one today from a friend of mine, just some stupid laughing fish or something. And 
I was just looking at it and it didn't change. It just over and over, it didn't get bored, didn't get tired, he didn't get hungry, like none of that. He wasn't, even if I gave my attention somewhere else, I came back and he was still doing it. I was like, God, why can't you know human beings be like this? I mean, that would be that would be amazing. So, but no, no, no. Sorry, folks. There are such things as fantasy worlds. We'll get into that later. And um, that's not one of them. So, so okay. Try to get this, all right? Just say it again. In extraordinary human love, a person may have, as you, you may have neither the evidence of love nor the experience of being loved and yet still be in love. I think you've had that experience. I think you've had, and probably if I asked you about it, you'd say something like, it was a free moment. It was a, I could fly. It was floating. I was like, I was, uh, I was an ice skater being carried in the air and I didn't worry about crashing back down for a few moments onto the hard, cold ice. I was like, there was, it was real. Like there, I could breathe or there was, um, it was like sunrise or something. It was, it was a, essentially a mango, a really excellent mango for a moment, for no cost. This stuff was occurring. Okay, an adult man or woman takes responsibility for standing in. The book says realizing, but this is too mental. It's really for discovering that love does not come from somebody else. Love comes from you. This is adulthood. This is the beginning of adulthood. Anytime that's not where you are, you're not in adulthood yet. You're still probably scrabbling in the ordinary domains or the, you know, the uninitiated domain. So this is the beginning of initiation. This is initiation into love is that you can walk down the street and love is happening because you're there. Let me read the book. Extraordinary human love is like this. You experience love when you love, you no longer wait around for love to happen caused by someone else or something else. You walk around in a self-generated field of love. There is no lack of love because no matter where you go, love happens. Love is not scarce. Something you look for, it isn't scarce. It's not something you look for or try to find out there. Love is abundantly there because you are there. Love is abundantly there because you are there. Love is the playing field that you create and sustain for your relationships to unfold on. You play out your relationships in this field, self-created field of love. The whole 24 hours are about making love because you are a love maker. With your partner, your colleagues, your children, your friends, your neighbors, you have love for no reason love without cause. I mean, this thing about reason, God, 
It's like, you know, I, you have to have a reason to love somebody. I love you because, you know, I'm looking, this reason thing is so contaminating. It's um, love, yeah, love with, so when you, this going around conditioning, conditionalizing your love in the relationship to reasons or causes for love, it's kind of like, almost like money. It's like you pay somebody if you, if you want to buy something. So you love somebody if you want to get something in exchange. It's this barter system using love in, in thinking that uh, they need it from you. I mean, how disrespectful is that? Thinking you can manipulate people to, for something if you love them, if you show love to them. You know, if you show, if you show it to enough, then they have a reason to love you. And there's this whole subtle energetic exchange system going on that's just insane. It's just, uh, but, and it's so neurotic and it's so overwhelmingly consuming. It just consumes us that, that it's almost, it's like a, a complex uh, maze of interactions that we try to negotiate in our day rather than um, walk, walking around, creating, holding out a playing field of love in which, in which interactions happen. Like it's already there, it's like your playing field. So your relationships happen, not so you might find love. They happen because you are already in the space of love and you are the space holder for this love happening. I'm just going to read that again. Your relationships happen, not so that you might find love. Your relationships happen because you're already in the space of love and you're the space holder for this love happening. Love is not an ideal or a fantasy. Love is the way, God, people have been watching the TV shows. Um, the Mandalorian, they, they say, this is the way. So I'm just quoting the Mandalorian, this, love is the way. I love you is a declaration. It's not, it's not a, uh, cash payment. It's not an exchange of, now you have to say, I love you back. You know, I love you. And I say, oh, I love you too. I love you. I love you too. Okay. We're, we're even then we've made the deal. We love each other. That's good. And then, so I love you is a declaration. So a declaration is a, an act of creation. A declaration is one of the three main powers of a human being. We do it a lot unconsciously. We declare a lot unconsciously. We say what is so a lot. Uh, like I feel, uh, let's see, I'm, I like the sun. I, it's bad weather today. Uh, this spaghetti is overcooked. Like all these things, these are declarations. That's a nice shirt. This is all declarations. I love you is a declaration. It's a, it's a story world that has power. It's, like, it's almost like a promise. It's like a commitment. It's a stand that you take, to take the stand. I love you is a stand. Love exists because you say it exists, that you act accordingly 
to your word. You say, I love you. And then behaviors show up according to that. It's a, it's a, it's your commit. Your word has value when you, it has integrity. Your word has integrity and show up a certain way, but it's, it doesn't show up according to other people's expectations. It shows up as a force of creation, this creation force. In extraordinary human relationship, if you are not happy, it is not the other person's fault. If you are not happy, it is because you have not taken care of yourself to be happy. Taking care of yourself to be happy is adult responsibility. In extraordinary human relationship, your own happiness is a gift that you make and you bring to your partner to share with them. Isn't that cool? Okay, so the next section is called the soft skills of extraordinary relationship. I don't, I would like to pause for a moment and uh, talk about stuff. Anybody have something up? I, I see a couple things. Anybody have something right now? Go ahead, uh, Vera, and then Hannes. I don't, it, the, the thing that for me was not missing, but that, that maybe has been discovered more recently, this distinction about needs, when we were talking about the needs and the neediness, is that um, the needs come from the bodies. There's, there's real needs that, so needs are things that your bodies have and wants are things that your ego states have. And um, I, it wasn't like clearly described in the book, but that that could also seem like a good way of distinguishing was what is it like, is it a real need from one of your five bodies or is it an expectation or a story or a de declaration or conclusion coming from an, another place, let's say. So I just wanted to bring that into space. Thank you. I have two very short points. The first is um, a sentence. Honest. Um, I'm asking if you would reconsider the your in, the word that you use in sort of in terms of points, because we're a team here, and we're, this is not a political discussion, and we're not trying to make points. It isn't like each of us has a belief system and we're trying to defend a belief system to see who's more right, who has more points. This is not the space. I know that you're new to the space, but it, okay. try something else, okay? okay? It's about sharing or observing or noticing okay. or questioning, things like that. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, okay, um, I have two aspects. One sentence that impressed me very much is love is a decision. So I decide for myself to love, to be love, to love someone. And the second aspect is um, I also have to decide to love myself. If I do not love myself, I can't expect anyone else will be happy with my love. 
Hans, are you willing to admit where you got, for example, the second um, sharing? Like, where did you uh, acquire that from? Where did you get that idea? I, I could quote it from the Bible that says, love others like you love yourself. So if I do not love myself, if I'm not happy with the love I bring to myself, no one else can be happy with me and with my love I try or I decided to bring to others. Thank you. you know, one, of the, one of the activities of this team is to make a distinction between concepts that the mind can understand, mind, mind can understand, but actually have no real relationship to reality. So it's pretty easy to understand the concept that you just said that, well, if I don't love myself, how could anybody else love me like that? How so, could anybody else could be loved by me? Yeah. So it's a, it's a concept that's pretty straightforward and easy to understand and very popular in certain circles in the world. And still in this space, we would question that. And the, one of the ways we would question it is, is about the word self. So you're speaking as if you know what a self is, or you're speaking as if there is such a thing as a self, or in any case, you're using the word self without really explaining what you're trying to mean by it, because we make a lot of distinctions in this particular work about, is it your box? Is it your gremlin? Is it a demon? Is it your mom? Is it the society? Is it a rule? Is it an old decision? These are all things, is it a feeling? These are all things that people can easily call the self. And so whenever I'm in a conversation with somebody and I encourage you guys to do the same, if somebody uses the word self is to just put it on the table and question it because it's a very fuzzy, politically powerful, manipulatory technique is to use a word that everybody is supposed to agree what it means and when in fact, it doesn't mean anything. It has no basis in reality. And if you explore this further, you might come to discover that this, the self is a, a superstition that's a um, Aberglaube, Aberglauben, Aberglauben in Deutsch, superstition. And so in any case, I would encourage you to do some research along there and, um, and the rest of us to be aware when people use the term self, for example, that it's a, it's a real uh, trap. There's a kind of a trap there, something the mind can understand but doesn't have a connection in reality that so then yeah great cool okay for now Hannes yeah thank you okay yeah thank you for speaking out anybody anybody else anything else right now yeah door yes I want to share my experiment about walking with love that you mentioned also last time so I was walking in 
in this hike in this forest and suddenly I notice is like I'm I'm walking in this space like I'm trying to get somewhere like and then I notice that when I'm passing people people are passing in front of me it's, it's just like this awkwardness of like uh, what to do to look them to say hi not to say hi and there is like all this tension and I'm, I'm just like keep going and, and, and they're even afraid it's like who's this person that is like and then I, I call myself and I'm like where where am I I'm in a hurry somewhere I'm like alone here what am I doing and, and I remember that walking in the rhythm of love so I just decided that I'm just going to change my rhythm a little bit and just like let let some love inside just the rhythm that I'm walking and I'm starting to walk in like this in a more even like a funny way and when I'm meeting people um, and then I was like I don't know something different I was looking at them and trying to to express that I'm, I'm slow like walking slowly doing everything more slow and just like trying to express to create this connection with them and suddenly the first family that's walking in front of me they were they look like the nicest people in the world it's like i'm looking at them and they're like the nicest family ever and i'm like hey like this <laughs> and it changed my whole like trip even just with nature just being just with love like just walking in nature like that it changed my whole thing so that's my experiment yay Yeah, that thing was about walking at the speed of mind or walking at the speed of love, for example. It's easy to tell the difference and it makes such a huge difference. But walking at the speed of mind, you just get mind. And walking at the speed of love opens up this whole different field. Cool. Thank you. I'd like to say something. Go ahead. Maria. Hi, Maria. Um, I was just absorbing what Vera said about the difference between needs and wants and thinking about how um, needs can be wants too, that if I take radical responsibility, for instance, for my body, then my energy level is higher and I have more capacity to take responsibility and then I don't need as much support or I don't need more sleep or I don't need more from someone else or some outside circumstance. That's all. Yeah, thank you. I don't know if you can see us, but some people are wiggling their hands at you in this alien communication of, yeah, baby, thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> Christina, are you going to say something? Yes. Um, wait, wait, wait. We have an agreement here not to use the American mantra of um, especially the first word. I know you said yes, um, that's still cheating. So yeah. no ums. It's just a exercise in awakefulness because the American mantra, look what it created. I mean, really, do you want to do that? Like, no, I'm not even American, so. Oh, I'm not okay. even. <laughs> yeah, it's just because I, I have a lot of fear right now and also anger, and I've been in this the whole day, and I will take care of it later in the process. Um, um, <laughs> there it is again. So, 
yeah, I, I really, really have this big emotion around because I, in my childhood, I was always said, you just have to love yourself. Then it's very easy. You just have to be more self-aware. And my whole childhood was about no need that I ever had could be expressed. And it's really about embodying love. And by embodying, I mean, there's a whole other world of experiments to put your energetical center on your physical center. And a lot of also things stored and that was in my body and our bodies that have to be expressed before it was able for me to step into possibility management because this is like, it's a whole other topic and I'm so, I have so much, I, I'm, I'm already start flying if I talk more right now. And so I will stop myself, but I, I, thought, I thought it was already in the space at the beginning when one Phyllis was entering with a fucking bitch. There's a whole topic about sexual energy and this is all connected to this. And I wish we, we could have space more for that. And yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> Christina, if you wish that we could have more space for that, what step could you take to invite people into that kind of a space who also might want to be having more space for that? Could you make a proposal? Do you, do you actually wish it strong enough to make a proposal? Yes, I made the proposal already by telling that I do a work talk on how to fly on Thursday, which will be about this too. Okay, great, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's so important to notice, I mean, where these wishes come from or that they are wishes because as you do this work more, you will more and more jack in to your bright principles, for example, or you will more and more have your center, your grounding cord, your bubble, you jack into the earth and the cord between you and the earth is a two directional cord. It goes both ways. So you can, you can give stuff to the earth, but the earth can give stuff to you like impulses or requests or instructions, or you jack into your archetypal lineage. You get more instructions, you get very precise, and it feels like needs. For example, if you're holding space, if you're actually holding space in service for a purpose, a conscious purpose, and then you have this quote unquote need, well, it's probably not your need. It's probably the need of the space. I remember when I first felt this way back in the 90s, I was starting to deliver trainings. I would have this need. I need the chairs to be like this. I need this guy to ha ha talk to this guy. I need to do the process next that's not on the schedule to do. These are, these are powerful needs. And I thought they were my needs, but they were not. They were the needs of the space and my bright principles and my archetypal lineage coming into the space. And so when you get those needs, and you're in, in relationship to these forces that are outside of yourself or inside of yourself, you can create this mutual exchange, uh, um, need fulfillment thing with forces of nature. And then you get popped into a different game world where you're serving something greater than yourself. And that's, that's why it's useful to tr start trusting and doing experiments with when you have the need to actually go ahead and 
fulfill the need, like set up a space so that this conversation can happen, which might be different from your talk space, or it might be the same like that. So other people, you get different impulses. Go ahead, roll it out, open it up, invite people in, like see what happens, create the experimental laboratory and do the work, do the alchemy, see what gets created. So that's why I'm encouraging you, if you have a a sense like that to make a proposal to set up and arrange a circumstance, you know, set it up so that it can happen. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Scott. Yeah, I was, as you were reading, you know, talking about the differences between ordinary and extraordinary love. Um, I was scanning my own experience of like, how much do I do that? Like saying, I love you for, for like, I've been doing it my whole life with my parents to say, I love, I love you. Like I always wanted it to be the last thing that I said to them. You know, (laughs) I never wanted it. I never wanted to like leave a conversation without love kind of being the last thing that was said in a way. And, and I still, I like constantly saying that with my partner, I love you. And I'm, I'm like scanning my experience, like how much of that is neat, like neediness or how much is ordinary, extraordinary, like, yeah. And I just, I just want to share, it's, it's scary for me to consider that because um, I don't know. I may be doing the points. I think my mind's doing the point system thing. And and then my, of like, am I right with extraordinary or wrong with ordinary or what? Like there's that bullshit, but then there's this, the feeling, the feelings, I don't know. There's something stirring in me. And I just wanted to share that. Yeah, thank you, Scott. Hmm. I was, I was just talking with Anne Chloe yesterday or so about this movie Contact or the movie Interstellar or the movie, what's the third one? Ad Astra. Ad Astra. And if you see those three movies in a row, you will, start, you will notice that there's this awesome framework awesome problem it's like it's an awesome problem it's a it's a it's this immense uh background upon which to play out and explore and discover potential and possibility and invent new stuff and yet all three of those films the stories in the films revolve around some kind of a small step of a resolution between the main character and their father or their mother, their parents. And that's as far as those films were able to go. And it's like this whole consideration about the parents, it, it, what it, it's really an uninitiated, it's an incompleted adolescence. And so, even though these three films are spectacular in terms of their uh, 
milieu, the background, the scene, you know, it's spectacular. The, the level of, of, of realization or the level of consciousness shift is at the level of adolescence. And it's like, okay, okay, come on, there's something wrong. There's what's we're missed. It's because, you know, it's because we really are not, haven't, we don't even, can, we can hardly talk about what it means to, from the adult world, from an, an, a beginning initiated world. We don't even have it in our nervous system, in our society, forget it, modern culture, forget it. It's like, it's like the best we can do is, ah, oh, dad really loves me, okay. I really, I really love my dad, whatever. It's like, okay. And it's a, it's a statement of our times and our age and our, and our condition right now. But it's this whole thing, Scott, that you brought up even is to consider to have the mom and dad occupy so much consideration means you have not yet put them behind you. Means you have not gone through the initiations that are needed to heal and resolve the, the mom and dad thing. You're still in the mom and dad bubble, really. You have not put them into your into their space behind you as your ancestors. And this this there are steps to that. That's why we have these labs set up to expand the box in the labs. And that's also why we recommend people do family constellation work, for example, to heal the the uh, family constellation work where the moms and dads and uncles and grandparents and great grandparents and all these energies that are incomplete and wounded and damaged and projecting and all this is um, uh, is because we're, we haven't even stepped out of adolescence into into adulthood yet so we're working, that's the reason I'm bringing this up, is we're, we're going into extraordinary human relationship. And I didn't really get to read uh, all of Christina, what she said, but something about sweating out of fear so much. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Christina. Thank you for that. And what I'm, and it's, so, so we're working together to build, you know, to heal and build out the possibility of being adults together and like, take this space as a spaceship and, and go as a team into the new territory that's laid out by extraordinary love and adulthood. You don't get one without the other. If you think you're an adult and you're playing, uh, playing off voices in your head from your parents and neediness and this kind of, you're not adult. If you're in extraordinary love and in your mind you don't know about your, you know, your love, you don't know about love, but if you're if you're standing in adulthood in reality, then the love will come with it. The love comes with it. So if you enter adulthood, you get extraordinary love. You have a small now, you have a conscious purpose, you have your feelings, you have your ability to hold and navigate space, you have your intention, you play in. You can make declarations and uh, and and set it up. So anyway, that's where we're going with this. So it, it's just a big clue. This whole thing about mom and dad, if they're occupying a lot of space in your life, they're not behind you. This whole thing about get behind me, do that with your parents. You know, it's at some point, you know, your parents are not a job on your bench. You do not have to fix, heal, repair anything with your parents, they are not a job on your bench. 
your jobs are in front of you. Your parents are your ancestors. When you become adult, your parents are your ancestors. And then they are, then they are resources. They're, being, they're supportive in whatever way. And if they did not live, you could not have lived. And therefore, they are heroes for you. There's a kind of heroic nature in your ancestors. They did whatever it took to survive. And you survived because of that. So if it's, it's an excellent, I'm sure there's an experiment in, in some of the start over game about going through your ancestors and making a list in your beat book about the heroic decisions and the stands that they took so that you could live, that you could be alive where you are now, even right here in this, in this team right now. And you, and it's, it's a remarkable change for me when I first started to do that, to figure out how my great, great, great grandparents got pissed off enough about the Catholic uh, invasion of um, Prague and the Czech Republic, Czechnia back then, Czechoslovakia, that they left. They left, they went across the Atlantic Ocean to America and set up in some tiny little dirtbag town in the middle of flatland in, in Montana. There was nothing there. And they, they made it, they made that step. You know, and I, I have my stories about the heroes in my ancestors. They, if they did not, I think I told this story before, I had, there was a seven Callahan brothers in the South of the United States of America. And when the Civil War broke out between the North and the South, one guy went North and the other six were killed in the South. So if this guy did not bail, if he didn't go to the North, there would be no Callahan speaking here. So it's like you have that. There are people in your past who are heroes and put them in your past. And it's cool to make your parents heroes in your past rather than something you have to contend with right now. Because, you know, if you're, if you're blowing into your future, if you're creating a, a wild, cool world to live in, if you're on fire, if you're in, in service of something greater to yourself, your parents win, whether they, whether they like that or not. You know, there's, they have a child who's on fire and in the world and playing full out, then your parents win. And, you, so, and then they're behind you and you don't have to hardly do anything with them. You just, you know, say, Ah, mom, it's yeah, I love you so much and thanks for everything and I'll call you next Christmas. And that's it. That's it. You don't have to nothing. You don't have to hear about the neighbors or her kidneys or the dog or any of that stuff. You just don't have to. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so that's that's where we're going with this. This is a it's rolling and we can and, you know, sure, there are processes, there's healing and initiatory processes along the way. And that's what we, we're doing with each other. We're holding the space that those things can happen in. Yeah. Somebody else, anything else? Yeah, I'd like to contribute a wondering. Hi, Naomi. Hello. I wonder how all of that of having your ancestors in the past cohabitates, can cohabitate with high levels of responsibility, radical responsibility. I'm in Mexico and where my partner is investing all of his time in making his parents shop into something that will sustain them even when they're too old to work, which is going to be soon, as in 
because otherwise it's probably going to be a problem. And then for him as well, because they're his parents. And yeah, I wonder, I'm guessing you can do something like that because you choose to take responsibility for it. And I wonder how that cohabitates with leaving them in the past. There's also the option of saying, fuck you and you're a mess and I'm not going to engage with you. But that has something very dismissive and denial about it, which sounds like defense and self-protection, which does not sound whole completely. You walk yeah. into your partner. Mm -hmm. no, you walk into your partner, you yeah. said. And he was saying that to them? Was saying what? What did you say that Joachim was saying? No, I didn't say he was saying anything. Who, who was doing the fuck you thing? I didn't get that. I said, I'm considering options. Like, okay, you have parents who don't have their shit together. They live in a country where, where it's difficult to earn money. And at some point they're going to be too old and they're not going to have any money uh, uh, unless they work. That's a problem. Um, we could leave them in the past and just carry on with our lives. And I'm an option I'm seeing to do that is to say, fuck you, and it's your mess, and I don't have anything to do with it. And the option that he is choosing is to dedicate himself to, you know, making this into an opportunity for more people and create something. He's doing it to avoid trouble because it's going to be trouble at some point. And so that doesn't sound like we're leaving them in the past. And I think we're acknowledging that it's a problem and that they're not managing to take responsibility for it, it seems, and choosing to take responsibility for it. So, but then it sounds like we're not leaving them in the past. So I wonder how leaving in the past cohabitates with radical responsibility or extraordinary responsibility. And maybe it has to do with the decision and the intention. Yeah, thank you. You know, clearly the work that we're engaging in is not about finding formulas or rules. And so there, there won't be any formula to, to answer that question. I think we all have questions like that. It's a very valid consideration. You know, either we have children or siblings or parents or relatives or neighbors even in our town, whatever. So the, the thing about this is about noticing. It's a lot about noticing. So, and then choosing. And then why are you choosing or what's the choice? I mean, the fact that you're there helping Joaquin do this is a choice you made also. And so you could have made another choice. So is it a victim choice? You know, is it a responsible victim choice? Well, somebody has to do this, you know, or somebody has to do it. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not bragging about this. I don't even really like to talk about it. I don't know if I ever talked about it before, but when my parents were, were losing it, you know, they, for various reasons, they were really losing it. And they owned a house and stuff like that. I was the oldest of three boys. So I was the one legally responsible to handle their transition legally and financially. Like all of that whole uh, legal stuff was on my shoulders. And my, but I didn't, I lived in Germany. I've been over there for 15 years or something. And that would have required me to go back to the United States of America. What a hell world idea that would have been for me 
to abandon all my stuff, you know. So I, I handed the whole thing over to my brother, my middle brother. And he did it. He, he did it. But I don't know if he was designed for doing it because not, not much longer after that, he died from cancer. So I have no idea. Is there a connection in there? You know, that he had to handle all this grief and watch, you know, be there while my parents died and all this kind of stuff. But he wasn't the firstborn son who was supposed to handle this responsibility. You know, so then you have to notice all these things and feel what's up about it. Inside you, feel what's, you know, take the whole big picture and the small picture. Like this is the radical responsibility part. It's like it's all our responsibility and we make choices. And so the, the whole point of it is really about that, I think. It's more about noticing, paying attention. What are you feeling? What do you want? What's wanted and needed? What are you going to create? You know, is it, is it smart or stupid? You know, is it being naive or is it being smart, you know, to, to build up the shop and give it more value and, you know, create this thing for the parents? Or is it just being a, a responsible victim? You know, it's a, you know they, they could have been saving money, you know, 50 years ago, something like that. So they set it up this way so that it would be like this, expecting the children to save them. And if you don't want to play that game, then you choose that and you can communicate it. You know, say, look, I'm just, we're, I'm just not playing this game. I'm not going to go along with the story, even though you did it for your parents. Like maybe they helped their parents. I don't know. So there's different customs and traditions. So, okay, who's running your life? Who makes the decision on your life? Is it the tradition of the, the, the society? Is it the tradition in your family? Is it the expectations from even thousands of years ago like that? So is are those things going to have the, the deciding power in your life? There's this whole authority issue that we've been working on this website called Authority. And there's so many places where you can take back authority in your life and then you decide, and then you have the power to choose and the consequences of that choice. But if you do the thing according to some cultural custom or tradition, then you don't have the power. It's not your choice anymore. You don't have the authority. You're being used by a meme. You're being used by a, a, a force, a cultural uh, unconsciousness. You're, you're being used by an unconscious habit like that. So, so that's, these are big, really big issues to think, to face into. And God, we get those every day of our lives. Isn't it great to be a human being? <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, thank you. I find it playful and um, it's, I, I enjoyed listening to what you said because it's a nice topic for a conversation. Like where are your actions coming from? What are you adhering to? And like, I mean, this thing is a mess. To me, it's a mess. These parents, these parents are a fucking mess. But um, to choose, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and then to choose to take the thing and make it into a empowerment situation for ourselves. That's just like, yeah. Even though they might have, even if they would have expectations, I feel like you can just be like, and then make it into that situation. That's fun. Yeah, and boundaries. I'm yeah. learning a lot about setting boundaries for myself. You know, but there's also a thing you can do, all of us can do this when faced with these kind of things, is go into your possibility team. Go into your possibility team and say, I have this thing. 
here's the situation, please give me possibilities about this. And you'll start getting ideas from people who are gonna say, well, uh, put your mom and dad in a retirement home in the Yucatan, you know, move them, move them to, um, move them into like, or, or like, et cetera, just completely sell off everything they have, you know, sell it all off, close the thing down and um, put them in a retirement home that's nice in Mazatlan or, you know, like that. And so you start getting a bunch of options that you just didn't think of before. You go, holy shit, they're scary as hell. When people send, you know, give you options that were not, you have to write them down because your box and gremlin will just erase them from memory as soon as you get your possibilities. So write them down and then seriously consider even the wild ones, especially the ones that you don't understand, write those down. And they are so out of your box's condition, your, your, your psychology's ability to understand. They're so wide that you have to write them down and you just look at it for a week. And then all of a sudden it goes, ah, this is what they meant. Well, that's a cool idea. I never thought of that before. And why didn't you tell me before like that? But so, um, yeah, it's great to bring this stuff to your possibility team and get really wild possibilities. So there's, that's another way to go. Thank you. Good. Anything else from anybody else right now? Amber, was, was your hand up? Or is that just a standard Switzerland position? They do that in Switzerland. No, it was the standard Switzerland way of saying, but once I'm talking, I want to share something because um, about having the parents back on the back in the past. And um, my sharing is that I had a grand grandmother who fled from war from the first world war. And it was so terrible what she, what she went through when she came to Switzerland about 1920, she didn't talk a word about it anymore. And no, actually nobody talked a word about it anymore until I started to have the memories. And I, with the family constellation, I, I went and did the research. And at one point, because I was so traumatized by these images I had, I got out from nowhere. And while I was, while I was in these memories, I was totally in a, in a rescuer state. I, I was so messed up because I felt the need of my mother and it was just that, that fucking mess. And when I, when I could see that clearly and when I could feel that my mother and my grandmother and my grandmother, they are standing in my back and they are in peace and I am in peace and I could give them their history back, which I didn't have to solve anymore. It's just a different place of living. And it's, it's, um, it, I mean, I'm, I still care about my mother because my mother still has that war stuff in her system. And I don't have to rescue her anymore. And it, 
it, it has definitely been a very relaxing distance for freedom, a, a relaxing freedom. So it, it is really helpful to have the parents in the back also because they are a huge resource of, I mean, my grand grandmother, what she did was amazing. She's a absolutely power station. So it's good to have her in the back. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, thank you. And um, just to be clear, we, we could, of course, do family constellation work in Possibility Labs, for example, but we have so many other things to do that other people are not doing that we ask you in the labs to go do that on your own. You know, go find a good family constellation person, do your mom's side, your father's side, you, you know, and really do it and clean it up like I'm just saying. And uh, because we don't make time for that in the labs because we have so many other things to do. So, but it's really important to do. S same with firewalking. How many people have gone firewalking so far? Walking barefoot across fire. Not enough. <laughs> Amber, you did it. Joseph, you did it. That's it. Okay, I can see we're going to have firewalking on the agenda. You got to do that. You have to do that. And listen, it's got to be five or six yards long, five or six meters long that you walk. None of this two meter thing. You know, firewalking is you got to take a walk across the fire. It isn't just like dance, you know, a couple of meters. It's like walk. So make sure that you get a good space holder and they come with recommendation that they work you through a long time and they're there holding the space while you go across and do five, six, seven meters, like a seven meter firewalk, okay? Like, okay, this is, let's see, this is January. Let's see, okay, my birthday is in March 25th. So how many people can do firewalking by March 25th this year? Hannes. Michelle, okay, that's two out of 90. That's not good. Yeah, Devin, okay. All right, what about that girl in the turquoise top next to you? Vera, come on, fire walking. Yay, okay, that's four already. Okay, no, really, I'm, question why you didn't put your hand up. Question why you did not put your hand up right now to go do firewalking before March 25th of this year. Like question why. And when you come up with a sensation in your body, go do a, an, an emotional healing process about that. Okay, I encourage you to get with each other, do your emotional healing processes about firewalking. Because after you do that one, I've got another one. And it's even worse. So we do firewalking first. Okay. All right. K. Okay. Doing my own version of firewalking here. Um, Wait. My heart has been pounding since uh, Christine posted about women fucking themselves and. Um, Oh, I just want to, um, I don't know, go on record for myself to challenge myself to uh, say there, there's another way. You don't have to do that. <laughs> like, you don't have to only do that. Like, that's fine. And 
we don't all have to swear off men and uh you know men have owned sex and pornography and we can take it back okay why is your heart pounding though why is it why is it frowning because you're 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 great for this what's what is it i don't know i'm terrified to say this like um it's out of order <laughs> you know it was an hour ago uh, I don't know. There's a way that we, we each of us here are taking a stand for, for each one of us to, to, to stand up and speak out in the world. You know, this is a safe place and this should be, I don't know, almost the safest place to stand up and speak out. And there's so many other places that need us to stand up and speak out. And, and so thank you for doing it now. And we, how many, we, we're going to vote. How many people want Kay to stand up and speak out all over the place, everywhere? Yes, go Kay. And we could do this for each of us, but we're doing it for you right now. Yes. And this is a, this is, this is an honest thing. This is a, you know, this is a real wish. We really want you to, to win like this or, or, or lead like this or go first like this or play like this or explode like this or, you know? So, and see, you know, it, when you do it, you have this kind of a support behind you. And I think there's a lot more people out there after you speak and after they, you know, can understand what you said, you know, if they let it in what you say, they will be so glad just like this. You know, there's, there's these barriers out there and they're like, they're like sonic barriers. So a sonic barrier, the way I'm saying it is, it's a, a, a barrier against speaking. You know, there's these unspoken barriers blocking the, the what can be said. It's a sonic barrier. And you, we're, we can pierce this. We can vibrate it in a different way. We can come in sideways. We can turn it to dust. You know, we can burn the thing. We can transform the thing. We can, you know, melt it. There's all these ways we have through sonic barriers. And so, but it's like, it's like a, th a, a threat, a believed in threat that is not true. It's a, like we believe that we're going to get hurt. And and then we just block everything and shut everything down. But it's a it's a fake threat. You know, if somebody's sitting across with you with a stick, you know, then you watch out what you say. But um, if somebody's going to yell at you after you after you speak, go, oh God, can you say more about that? Or I agree with you. Or you, there's so many things you can say if somebody's yelling at you. Just go. Which feeling was that? Or God, I, I want to get to know you better. Can you teach me to do that? Or there's so many things you can say when somebody's yelling at you that is that um, complete, like moves it to the next level and has a meta conversation. So, but you have to start. There's only only to start. And so the one of the keys is in, in your case, K, if your heart is beating like that, just automatically talk. Like you're lucky that, that you can sense your heart beating like that, but you can use that as the indicator. You don't even 
from now on, you just don't even think about it. Your heart starts beating like this. You just interrupt and you just take over. Okay. That's your, it's your, you're getting a download. It's like you're getting a download button or something like that. And you just like hearts beating speak out like that. Yeah. Thank you. You know how I've done it? I pretend I'm you. <laughs> it's like you don't have problems saying <laughs> whatever. Pretend you're a man. <laughs> like <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, you have no idea what I'm up against. You know, I was mm. born. I copied my dad. I was a good boy for 39 years of my life. I could not say fuck shit, damn hell, piss, or anything, especially not cunt or something like that. I couldn't say this stuff until I was 40 years old, and then I finally started doing this work. And so, and I still have this, my box is freaking out. It's just sitting there going, <laughs> you know, it's the good boy box. And you say, you can't do this. And it's like, you, you don't, you don't know what I'm experiencing. You can't, you can't say. So, so it really is like that for me. And so, mm -hmm. and so, and so I'm just, um, I know, I know what you're up against and you can do it and I need you to do it and I want you to do it. And I think a lot of everybody else kind of wants you to do it. And we also want everybody else to do it. And the revolution starts here. That's how it goes. It's All a right. sonic, sonic, we break the sonic barrier revolution by speaking out. And <laughs> you know, the world is, the life is too short to sit around and sit on a spoon, you know, with a cork up your butt, not say stuff. It's just boring. So I don't know. It's like, there's, the, you know, that whole thing about sliding into the grave sideways, you know, crashing into your grave, burnt out and crashed up, you know, not, not in some nice little pose with, you know, in a casket or something, you just go, you just, slide in sideways broken up and crash into your grave and go god that was great okay let's do this again something like that so well this went well <laughs> <laughs> thank you it's an ordinary human relationship we're just Half of us are frozen, half of us are not frozen. Well, I can I can hear you, Kay. Okay. Well, now that I have the floor, um go for it, Kay. <laughs> yeah, go, go. Go, Kay. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, now you do have yeah, a floor. What are you gonna what are you gonna tell me? Go. Go. I am I am going to do a work talk. I, I don't even know if I am allowed to do a work talk, but I'm going to. Go, what is it about? It is about uh and it's for men and women. It's uh women being empowered to take back sex so that we can have sex with men. Yeah. Okay, when is it? When? How do we register? Exactly. Yeah, when? <laughs> oh my God. I love you guys so much. I, uh, soon, like um, next week. 
Oh no, that's yeah, lab. Okay. <laughs> no, that's the truth. No, the next week. Lab is this week, right? Before yeah, Friday. It's gonna be before Friday, so I'm in. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. I'm in. All right. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Whew. That was high sensation. <laughs> Will you post the date, um, you know, in the next day, like today or tomorrow? Yes, I will. Thank you. You're going to this lab today, this week? No, I'm not. And I'm sad because I'm sure I'll be left out forevermore because all these cool people are going. And <laughs> I suggest in the meantime, until Clinton come back, people can share the events and things that they are doing in upcoming things that people can join to. I was going to share earlier that when Clinton was talking about the parents are heroes in our past and have them behind me, that I felt such a relief when I noticed being a parent and realizing I am behind my adult children, meaning they have their lives. I'm not responsible for them and they're not responsible for me. And that is just like, wow. <laughs> I just wanted to share that. Thank you. From that, I just wanna say sort of maybe, I don't know if it's a mirror initiation but the initiation that we can take is this putting back a parents behind us but as parents one of the initiation is to go through a mother or father graduation party and that is part of this um i mean it's not a ritual it is an initiation to say i'm i'm not responsible i give back my mother my motherhood or my fatherhood and i get to be me i get to be something else yeah, yeah. thanks and chloe that's I will say, was somebody else talking? Sorry. Hannes, go ahead. I, I'm just in this process, leaving my kids, or the, no more taking responsibility for them to, for example, find a room in the, another town where they start to study, or be responsible for what they are eating, what whether they have enough money or whatever. Just, just let them go and say, you're responsible if you need help, if you ask for, then it's okay to come to me. But not thinking that I'm still responsible for their ongoing. Yeah, this is what Anne Chloe was saying. Thank you. This is super. And it's a... Uh... The mother graduation website, it, it can be done with the father graduation also. 
So I did that also with my children and it changed the relationship. So you could formalize what you just said in this uh, ceremony that uh, is described in the website there. It's great. I was gonna, what I was going to say was that even though I have done that ceremony and my daughters are married and have grandkids and all that, everything's great. I still have this, I'm like a ghost in the closet in a certain way. Like I don't, I don't fit inside of any concept of what the grandfather is supposed to be like. Like I'm not submitting to the framework of being their father or grandfather. So I'm still causing ripples that sort of bounce off of things. And I'm sure eventually come back to their life I create kind of these waves that go out and just break. they're just sort of legendary waves so I'm, I'm not a ghost in the past in the closet I'm actually a live ancestor causing ripples chicken ripple ice cream was there uh, I was about to read when the when the electronics gave out on us is there somebody else wanted to say something? Okay. So, so what I was suggesting was that even in the conversation just before I was having with Kay, for example, I was demonstrating soft skills of extraordinary human relationship. And I can't say them all right now because we don't have enough context to get a grip on what I was actually doing. But I, we're going to enter, we're starting to enter that part of the conversation, which is okay, okay, how? Like, what are the tools? How do you actually cause, how do you open up the space for extraordinary human relationship to emerge? You can't force it to emerge, but you can open the the, the domain of possibility in which it could emerge. You can establish the context in which it can, it can grow. I mean, it's, it's not so different from, and Chloe and I were at a, a little uh, a valley on the other side of the island where we are. And in that valley, they've been growing these uh, mamey fruits, M-A-M-A-Y which is a, a bizarre tropical fruit. I have kind of one, it, it looks kind of like a, a coconut, but it's not, it's soft and it's orange on the inside and has weird seeds and they're delicious, but you can't get them anywhere. So there were some baby ones growing under the big trees that they would have to kill because they were growing in amongst the water pipes. So they were just gonna rip them out. So I stole nine of them. And I brought them back here, but they were they were roots. They were they were basically not. They were like just a root. There was nothing else. And so, what's needed for that to come to life? What is needed for that root thing to come to life? And that's what we're talking about: is building uh, an environment in which this can flourish. So you have to if I stuck them in, if it's too acidic or too sandy or too dry or too wet or too cold or not enough nitrogen or whatever, I have to create an environment where those things can flourish. Well, that's exactly what we're talking about here. The soft skills of extraordinary relationship build up 
an environment in multiple dimensions at the same time so that extraordinary relationship can occur by reflex. Not, it's not forced. It's like, it's like if you take a, a, a piece of material like aluminum in the shape of a jet airplane and you push it down the runway at a certain speed, it cannot help but fly. You get that? It's a, it's a laws of physics. The plane will fly up in the air and take off because of its shape, just because of the conditions. So that's what you're doing is you're creating an environment in which nothing but extraordinary relationship can occur. And it's, that's why it's so fantastic to have your own possibility team or deliver work talks or workshops because those are the environments where you learn to create those spaces that so they cannot be sabotaged by gremlin. They cannot be killed by assumptions and expectations. They cannot be broken down by people's um, fear of anything you, because you can as is the conditions. You can bring it into the soil. You can uh, do the healing part as part of the extraordinary part. You can call it through even when the hole is really small, you can still call it through and it can blossom. So that's where we're going. I will read for a little bit and let's see what happens. The soft skills of extraordinary human relationship. May I say something about what you just said, Clinton? Yes. Yeah, so... Um, uh, Wait a minute, yeah, go okay start again. I, know I'm saying, uh, I was, I was uh, hesitating whether to, to mention the name, but... There was there somebody and I were having you know just like like a little bit of conflict, <clears throat> and we went into Vera's possibility team, and um, and we, we you know for two weeks and and we did the exercises, and then when we finally got together, we shared how we didn't even need to have a conversation that doing those exercises created the healing. And it was like, just hanging up the call, it was like nothing more needed to be said. The healing had taken place. Yay, sometimes the magic works. Yeah. And I, I, I you know, I thanked people earlier. I, I really wanna thank Vera. I, her possibility team on Saturdays is such, like it serves me in such a big way. And then in her box or in a shared box is Devin. And, and I wanted to acknowledge both of them and, um, and Julia, who's not on the call today. Yeah, I, yeah, I just wanted to say that too. Yay, possibility team. Thank you, Shannon. Can I add to yeah. that? <clears throat> Thank you, Shannon, for, for saying that because somehow I've been trying to find ways to communicate about uh, teams that so often like and, and some people here are building villages or communities or even maybe families or teams in that what we think we come up against are logistics or money or power or and and then we try to solve that mm. and then we try to discuss that or try to find possibility for that and instead that if because that puts all of that in the center. Then the, the, basically the survival behaviors are put in the center 
And if something else is put in the center, like you were saying, Shannon, of experimentation or going to the edge and healing or evolution, then those things just, they take care of themselves. They just, they, there's no discussion, as you were saying, there's no discussion needed. It just takes care of itself. So really for those of you who are building villages and communities, um, to have that experience of start the community with two or three people and meet and do experiments. So it's not about how the community is gonna to come together in terms of where the house and, and what about the money and the investors and the place. It's like, what, what are we doing here together? What do we wanna to create together? And, and, and if, it, if it's evolution, transformation, healing, just put that at the center and the universe will open the other doors. Thank you. We might have assumed that since we are human beings, we already know about love and relationship. But think about sex. Did you already know about sex when you began your first sexual encounters? If so, it was sex in its most rudimentary form, perhaps. The same is true love and relationship. There are so many levels to discover and explore. Gaining skills in love and relationship is a different procedure from gaining skills in mathematics or sewing there is a considerable difference between learning soft skills and learning hard skills. Hard skills are skills that produce an immediately visible result in the physical world. If someone teaches you how to fry a sunny side up egg, it is easy to confirm that you have acquired the skill or not. The same is true of mowing the grass, paying the bills, ironing shirts, setting the table, cleaning the toilet and so on. The results of learning a hard skill are visible, well-defined, directly obvious, and usually involve a human being manipulating inanimate objects. So those are hard skills. Soft skills, in contrast, usually involve interactions with other human beings. Suddenly, the equation takes on a very wiggly character. Human beings are not inanimate objects. Human beings have a will, consciously or unconsciously, a will of their own. They suffer, consciously or unconsciously, from short attention spans, are prone to reacting irrationally with strong emotions, and possess agendas that are not always obvious even to themselves. In short, Soft skills are complex. Hard skills are simple in comparison. Learning, you know, that's this thing about musicians, for example, or artists. It looks like music or art is a hard skill. And, and so there's a lot of music and art that needs the physical domain part of it, that you have to use your physical body a lot of times. And then, try to get in relationship with a musician or an artist. And you think that they're skilled in soft skills because the music just makes your heart 
glow where the art just takes you into a whole new universe and you think, oh my God, these people, these, these singers and these painters, these guys, they must be incredible, rich, you know, soft skills people. And then you get in relationship with one that's like, ah, <laughs> anybody ever have that experience? Get, yeah. So, so the music and art is a hard skill really. And the soft skills, soft skills are different. So learning a hard skill is usually a matter of figuring out how things work and then doing that way. And when you get good at doing it that way, then starting to improvise in that, in using those materials. Acquiring a new soft skill means modifying your already existing habitual behavior because you already have soft skills. You already have some degree of soft skills or we would not, they wouldn't have let you in school. They would not have let you walk around the street in the town. You have some kind of soft skills or else you'd be dangerous to yourself or other people. So even if your present behavior is to go numb or to avoid contact, or to not look in someone's eyes for longer than a half a second, or to stay silent and not speak, or to clam up, or to do nothing, it is still a behavior. Those are all behaviors. They're all survival skills. They're all actual skills. You've learned how to do those. And in fact, uh, you can prove that, <clears throat> for example, when the next time somebody asks you a question, don't answer it. Because, because we have a normal uh, soft skill, we have a pattern, we have a way of sp speaking out or talking, you know, talking back and forth. There's this, a lot of so much back and forth talking going on. Somebody says something to you or asks, don't say anything. You know, put your arm in the, in the air like this or, or, just look in their eyes and, and don't smile. Don't smile. Like it's, that's another one. Stop smiling. Somebody says something and, and you're like, good morning. And normally you smile when you say good morning back. Don't do it. Put a frown on your face instead of go. Or, you know, but try, try pushing the edges of your automatic unconscious soft skill behavior. <clears throat> And you need to start doing those so that you can make it conscious what your automatisms are. And that gives you the option. If you make it conscious, that gives you the option to choose something else. And this is so important in, what, in the area that we're going into. You need to have consciousness about what, how you are creating what you're already creating right now in the soft skills domain. You need to have that awareness and so that you have a choice about creating something different from that. Because if your soft skills come out as a pattern, as a habit, <clears throat> you will create the same thing you've always been creating. So you need to be able to stop what you're doing in order to start doing something else. Now, it's not about stopping. <clears throat> you know, I have a little exercise on here, not to say the word um as your first part of your sharing, especially. That's about stopping. But what, a trick for that is you could pick something else to say like pineapple instead of um. Or you could say Murgatroyd 
you know, you could say something different besides, um, well, that's, that's a very useful soft skill is to replace a current soft skill with a new soft skill because stopping a soft skill is almost impossible. You have, it's easier to replace it with the next thing. So roll it into something else. Okay. So even if your present behavior is to go numb, avoid contact, all of that stuff, it is still a behavior. Doing something different from that requires behavior change. Behavior does not often change by simply figuring it out. How often have you figured out that a certain behavior produces unwanted results and yet you still continue with the same behavior? In behavior change requires constant careful self-observation and continued involvement with other people who are willing and able to give you feedback, coaching, encouragement, and attention and hold emotional healing processes for you. Even with abundant support, the results are not guaranteed in terms of evolving your soft skills. The sobering news is that the difference between ordinary human relationship and extraordinary human relationship has almost nothing to do with your ability to deal with inanimate objects. See, that's, that's it doesn't help if you, your inanimate object skills are not gonna help you with soft skills. That's sobering and everything to do with your ability to navigate interactions between subtle and fickle human beings. You will need to learn new soft skills. So that's where we're going here. What time is it? Okay, we, I'm not gonna start the next section yet. I'm not gonna start that one. We only have a couple minutes. Anybody have anything to share right now? Yes, this is something that I learned from Vera. She said that if you're outside with your child and your child says, what bird is that? And you answer it, it's finite, it's over the exchange. But to move into infinite, you can experiment with, well, what color feathers does it have? And, and allow that person to, to go on a journey and go on the journey of discovery and, and move into an infinite space instead of just ask, answering the question. And I hope I got that right. I don't know if there's anything I'm missing out on. And I have a, an experiment. If um, you um, are um, using um, the um, word um, 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 all um, the um, time, um, place um, 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 after um, each um, word um, you um, say um. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've something too. Doris, hold on because, just a second. Just yeah. hold, okay. I just simply want to go back to the first sharing, Shannon, about this shifting from linear to, to infinite, from finite to infinite, from killing conversation to opening doors. This is a 
key element to the extraordinary worlds that we'll be working on. So I'm so glad you, could, you brought it up that way because we'll, be we'll be going there over and over again. And I hope that, that you guys start practicing this. We'll be all practicing this. But it's so important to have a yes and or to have a, can you, can you say more about that? Or what does it look like to you? Or could you imagine what it eats for breakfast? Or does like, where did it escape from? What country did it come from? What does its sisters look like? What is, you know, all this stuff? What kind of nest does it build? Who does it eat for, etc. So it's like these conversation, it's not blah, blah. The point is not blah, blah. It's a journey. The point is journeying. So we're going to go there. Great. But thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. Doris, thank you. And also, Phyllis Goldman is my favorite fucking bitch in this state. What'd you say? Phyllis is her favorite fucking bitch. <laughs> Sh Shannon, don't you think you're taking up kind of a lot of space in this conversation? I am. I am. <laughs> I was to like be a space hog. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, behavior change. Okay, Doris. <laughs> and then Scott. Yeah, I have to, I have to go for that because I'm scared about admitting that, but I was pissed off, honestly, Clinton, about that arm thing because it, it is right was, and Chloe explained the, the last time, more I'm forcing myself to do something not or to change. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing it exactly. So I was wondering about all that we should not if if that doesn't cost more. So yeah, I was honestly pissed off about that because it's a, a space of that we can expand and try and yes, and we're scared sometimes to tell things and and it's a used I used saying I have it, but right now I got a different idea when you explained it. So thanks for that. So it maybe I can do a shift with that about that. Thank you. So yes, I've been. Yeah, let me see. How do I see my own? I've been making a map, uh, the map of pr protocols and traditions slash rules. There's a lot on there, but since since this halfway through the call <clears throat> anyways i can share it but it's like you know i like you as the person me as the person now it's like i get to decide what's carried on from my ancestors and some uh some of that yeah it just makes distinctions about sort of very different cool. qualities you're like gonna you take, it, you're gonna take a photo and put it on the page yeah. super thank you thank you Really, I Thank can you. use that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I, may, may I say something? Go very, very briefly. I felt really sad when, when you spoke about musicians. Because musician, the, the whole thing is about these, those soft skills where you are uh, speaking about. There is a hard uh, skill part, yes. And many musicians have big, big egos, but being there, I was a professional singer. It's nothing else than about communication, about 
navigating space, about being in contact, about feeling what is what is coming from there and to, to get into contact. It's, it's nothing else about than, than soft skills. And for me, it was always, I had always the feeling for me, for me I'm, when I was on scene, I, I was, uh, uh, I, I, I was in a way uh, uh, so sensitive in that moment that I was a more mature uh, being on scene than in, in, in my, my daily world. And, and, and for me, when I stopped singing, it was everything about put this, what you learned there into your everyday world. And, and this, so, so for, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm doing with PM and that other stuff, but this, I wanted to share this. Thank you. Can you sing us out? <laughs> Yes. yes, I can do. Yay. I, okay. Um, Yay. Yeah. I sing. Um, I sing a German, a German, a good night song. Okay. Guten Abend, gute Nacht, mit Rosen bedacht, mit Neckleim besteckt, schlupf unter die Deck, morgen früh, wenn Gott will, wirst du wieder geweckt. Morgen früh, wenn Gott will, wirst du wieder geweckt. Hey, Ingrid, cool. Makes me cry. Have a great week. See you guys. Thank you. <laughs>